Where I'm uh, from is uh, southeast, the southern part of Louisiana. The area where we lived at was the most prejudiced. Uh, we weren't allowed to go to school, my parents uh, and the parents before them. So a lot of the people really didn't get an education. Uh, the federal government really had to sue Terrebonne Parish three times, tell them that they were going to deny them the monies for their school system if they didn't give us a school. So. Because I guess if you go back in the slavery days, they didn't want the slaves to get educated because then they would become smart. And so on the same basis, we had uh, in the 1940s, all was discovered on a lot of Indian lands where we were. So had we got educated, uh, you know, they came here and want us to sign leases or bill of sales that came in and said, well, look, we're going to run a pipeline here. Just sign here. We're going to give you some money. When actually, in all actuality, our uh, members were signing over their lands to the oil company and not realizing because they get these guys coming in and, and our people didn't speak English. So it was easy for them to take a lot of our land from us. And so did you go to Indian school? Yeah, I yes, I did. I went to uh, Dakeville uh, and it was all Indian school. What, what do you remember from that Indian school? Getting a lot of paddles. <laughs> now, nah, what it is, the teachers, you know, uh, we we're, were poor. We couldn't get a haircut. And I remember one day she took a rubber band and uh, pinned my hair on top of my head and made me stay that way all day. So when I went home, I didn't take it down. And when I got home, my mama was really mad, and the school teacher lived right up the road from where we were, and she went talk to her. So she didn't do that no more. So was that an Indian teacher? No, it was a white lady. Okay. No, we didn't have Indian teachers uh, at that time. It's interesting. When I spent time there, some people would tell me we don't have any racism here because the KKK wasn't here because we're Catholics and everything's fine. Mm. But then I would talk to Indians or to black folks and they'd be like, no, yeah, oh, there yeah. is. It, it, uh, in Terrebonne Parish, it, it, it's still there, but not in the uh, degree that it was back then, but it's still alive and well because, you know, like school system now, you're allowed to go to school and graduate and we do have a lot of our you know, uh, citizens, young people, that are lawyers now and are doctors and are graduating. The battle now is with the paper and pen that you have to know, get yourself educated. And what our young people becoming very educated, in fact, uh, have a couple of lawyers that's taking up Indian law and uh, coming back to help the tribe in their effort for federal recognition. So your nation's been seeking federal recognition longer than a lot of people have even been alive. <laughs> well, 30 years, 30 plus years, yeah, yes. Plus years. Mm -hmm. well, what would it mean to you to, to have federal recognition? To become fairly recognized, you know, and, and this is where it becomes a little tricky and a lot of people have this misconception that as soon as you become fairly recognized, the government dumps all kind of money and you people start getting checks right away. And what we understand it to be is that, you know, this is going to be to help the tribe infrastructure where we can build housing, have better education, and uh, better health for our, uh, for our tribal citizens. And the government would take land and trust. They entrust it to you, and you can do pretty much what they allow you to do, and you have to go through them, and the Secretary of the Interior comes in, and you know they set up uh, all these things that you have to follow. But there's a lot of underlining areas that makes it difficult for us to become fairly recognized because all was discovered on a lot of our tribal land. 
So when we filed for federal recognition, the oil companies got together and they lobbied Washington and told them if they recognized us, they would lose a lot of that land and a lot of that uh, revenue. But now with the new process, we, uh, we've given up a lot to get to where we are today. So we want what everybody else wants, what's rightly ours, you know. I think that for most people, they feel like where they're from is home. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, always a sense of community and your land base. But I think that, you know, for Indians especially, our land bases, our waterways, it's hard to sometimes explain to other people what they mean. So, mm-hmm. so what do they mean for you? What do they mean for your nation? That means life. It means uh, we work, we play, we live, we survive, you know, we become resilient. The land identifies who we are, and we identify to the land. Take away the land, and you take away our culture, you take away all the years of training and hard work that our elders have, you know, trained us to work on the land, to work on the water. Uh, and we've been asked the question, you know, why you just don't get up and move? That might have been a good thought, but now that my mother passed away and she's buried there, we don't leave our dead behind. We do not desert them. So we're going to stay there until we are joined in that same plot, you know. What would you want to say to, let's say, five generations in, to, to your peoples five generations from now? Just take what our elders have taught us, Take it forward. Keep it in your heart. Don't forget where you come from because eventually the lands that we live on will disappear. But keep the spirit, keep the drive, keep the heart of our people because without that, we cease to exist. So hopefully, and I'm praying, and I know without a shadow, our young people will take our, their teaching from our elders from us to them.